This week's episode is brought to you by the Communa Store. Go to communaquickly.com and you can get uh, your pick of shirts and the musical and all sorts of fun stuff to help support the greatest online show. Once again, it's the Communa Store at communaquickly.com. Hello and welcome to Communicore Weekly, the greatest online show and home of the world's first pair of independently born, identical twins. I'm George. And I'm Jeff. And this week's history segment goes along the lines of other theme parks in the world. And I was actually inspired by a friend of mine to look more into this one, by by our friend Adam the Woo, actually, ah. who explored this park's abandoned ruins. And I thought to myself, self... That looks like a cool theme park I'd like to learn more about. <laughs> yeah, and I remember staying an extended Taylor Clan family vacation in a rental home close by this abandoned theme park. Really? So was it abandoned at the time? Yes, it was. Did yes, you it was. explore? No, 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 because I was You can tell me. Nobody's Andy. listening. No, no. I mean, Andy and I, I, I get a chance to explore a defunct theme park or ride Splash Mountain. We rode Splash Mountain. Uh, I guess that's a fair point. Fine, but, you know, fine, we did, fine. We didn't know any better back then. Yeah. You know? All right. Well, I guess instead of just mentioning it being called this particular theme park, we should just <laughs> jump into the segment and actually talk about it. It's time for theme park history. Now, this may come as a surprise to most of you, but things are not always what they appear to be in the world of Central Florida theme parks. I mean, mm-hmm. The trees aren't real, wizards seem to be lurking in every quarter, you know, presidents presidents may turn out to be robots, and the park that appeared the most calm and serene was actually the most controversial. So, Florida's Splendid China was a $100 million theme park that opened in 1993 on 76 acres just west of the main entrance to Walt Disney World. It brought visitors to the beauty and landmarks of China in miniature form. Accurate scale models of some of that of China's most interesting architectural and cultural sites, uh, it peopled with a motionless ceramic population, and they were scattered along the park's curving and well-landscaped, landscaped, if not particularly shady, paths. The first quarter of Splendid China was actually free, uh, and it was replicating Florida's own Chinatown, complete with street vendors, gift shops, and a bunch of restaurants. But nearby was the Stone Forest, a natural wonder of China, surgically scaled and rendered there in fiberglass. And the large Buddha statues uh, rear up in the artificial grottos. The Leshan Grand Buddha was 35 feet high, which is impressive, except when compared to the real one, which is over 250 feet high. (laughs) So miniature scenes are arrayed along serpentine walking paths, and it was a long trek to the back of the park. You could also wait and ride a tram covered in tinkly bells. Not tinker bells, but tinkly bells. (laughs) Softly lilting 
knows flute music plays from speakers hidden behind trees and bushes. And the miniatures are insanely detailed and included replicas of the Great Wall of China. This version was a half a mile long and built brick by brick. I guess to keep out the tiny Huns. Exactly. Um, the Terracotta Warriors of Xi'an, the Leshan Grand Buddha statue in one-eighth scale, the Forbidden City, including a miniature emperor's wedding procession, Potala Palace, which was the spiritual center of Tibet and the traditional seat of the Dalai Lama, and more than 50 others representing the diversity of cultures within the region. Now, a quarter dropped in some of the coin boxes at select uh, exhibits triggered a motorized animation, such as tiny hoses spraying water or a mandala rug which was rolled by tiny priests. And it only took a few years for a few of the scenes to begin showing cracks and other wear, with some of the small figurines that populated them broken or just missing entirely. And after 30 or 40 miniature scenes, though, it's probably time for a change of pace. So perhaps you want to take in a show. Would you like to see Chinese acrobats at the Pagoda Garden, perhaps? Yes. <laughs> Watch the acrobatic antics of seven-year-old Fang Fang. He was the spunky youngster, and he performed with a troupe from mainland China, spinning jugs, while her comrades waved fans and balanced trays of drinks. And in the Golden Peacock Theater, a midday extravaganza show features act after act of contortionists, Chinese vaudevillians, and musicians. In its later years, the park added the Magical Snow Tiger Adventure, which was a show that was an attempt to kind of attract families away from uh, Gatorland and SeaWorld. A non-Asian pimp squad, which is interesting, of annual handlers uh, would come in into the amphitheater with a progression of reptiles to kind of entertain the crowd. And there were also interactive portions, like when an audience member was covered with tarantulas. Dude. I, I'm sorry, George, it is a little scary. Oof. Or, you know, when people were asked to hold a 15-foot albi al albino boa constrictor. Wow. So, uh, after <laughs> that, the big cats and the stars of the show came out to play. A leopard a native Florida panther, a lion, alleged to be the animator's living model for the Lion King, and the snow tiger. And the snow tiger has just given birth to snow tiger cubs, so of course they were part of the show. And the big cats did a few jumps and tricks before being herded into the back again. You know, aside from this massive show schedule they had there, visitors were actually free to wander the grounds and look at the scenes, or, you know, just to sit, relax, and enjoy the view. Um, a large play structure, the Panda Playground, was built to entertain kids when the slow pace of the park got a little bit too boring. Splendid China actually had no rides, you know, no bright lights, and no frantic action and flashy stunts like you find at other theme parks in the area. It was really designed for relaxation and contemplation of the beauties of the Orient. And on the surface, the park was serenity itself. But in the background, if you listen, you can hear a lot of sounds of protest. This is where you're going to put the protest noises in Pro the back? Probably not. Dang. All right. So Splendid China presented a peaceful picture of China as it had once been. The temples populated by quaint, colorful monks, no troops stationed in Tibet, no tanks in Tiananmen Square. Protesters claimed that Splendid China was a tool for propaganda rather than entertainment, and they often staged demonstrations outside the park and also worked to end school field trip visits. The park's critics charged that the depictions of Tibet's Polata Palace, uh, the Mongolian yurts, and other landmarks from other cultures as being within China were attempts to le uh, legitimize Chinese communist occupation of these formerly, formerly um, independent areas, and that the multiplicity of religious sites gave a false impression of religious and cultural tolerance within China when those religions were really being oppressed within the country. 
They also claim that the park was actually owned and operated by the Chinese government through China Travel Services and was in violation of the Foreign Agents Registration Act. Park officials denied that there was any political purpose behind Florida's splendid China. The vice president of China Travel Service told the Orlando Sentinel, we're a theme park, nothing more. Now, remember before when I mentioned about those non-Asian performers in the pep squad? The park itself, it actually faced an issue with its own performers. When Splendid China actually opened, it featured dozens of the best Chinese uh, dancers, jugglers, and acrobats. However, after a number of the Chinese citizens escaped the park and declared asylum in the U.S., the park began hiring local talent. Mm. And Americans never embraced Splendid China in Florida. Unlike its sister park in China, Shenzhen Splendid China, which has been a major success with thousands of visitors each day, the Florida park was rarely crowded. It seemed to have been built for a much greater volume of guests, as several restaurants built within the park remain empty and closed. If it was propaganda, as protesters claimed, the message wasn't getting out as widely as first planned. As the park deteriorated in the Florida sun, uh, Sonny Yang, once president of the, uh, the park, attempted to negotiate a sale of the park in 2000, but was recalled to China and placed under house arrest in part because of allegations of financial mismanagement from his handling of the park. In 2002, the Orlando Business Journal called Florida Splendid China, quote, the theme park equivalent of a ghost town, end quote. So compared to other theme parks in central Florida, it just didn't seem so splendid after all. And on December 30th, 2003, the following appeared on the park's website. Flash, Florida Splendid China theme park will discontinue operations in Central Florida as of the close of business on December 31st, 2003. This determination was reached primarily due to the continued downturn in the tourism economy as evidenced by the closing of other tourism-dependent businesses in the area. Despite several years of attempting to achieve successful theme park operations, the company has concluded that it could no longer continue to incur significant losses. To our friends and supporters, we express extreme regret that this action has become necessary. So, of course, after the abrupt closure, thieves and vandals basically just swooped in, taking most of everything that wasn't nailed down and spray-painting what wasn't held down. Today, many of the miniatures, you know, damaged and desecrated, still remain, but plans are finally underway to begin dismantling the park. In August uh, 2015, Encore Homes reported that Margarita Village Resort would open on the former Splendid China site in uh, 2017, with resort homes, condos, and timeshares in a Jimmy Buffett-themed setting. Wouldn't it have been better to call it Splendid Buffett? No, then people would think it was like a buffet. Yeah, probably, because I would think it's a buffet. Yeah, Splendid Buffet, yeah, that would be it. You, know, you want to call it Splendid Jimmy. I mean, that's... That just seems weird. That just seems weird. He is a Splendid yeah. guy, though. Oh, yeah, yeah, of course. He's real swell. No, but, you know, if you, if you lived or, or used some of his, I mentioned at the top of the show, there are some vacation homes that you can rent in that area, and as you drive by them, you can see parts of Splendid China. So weird. I don't know if they're still there, but they were there a few years ago. But if you ever got to visit Splendid China or have any thoughts on this one-time Florida theme park, give us a call on the CommuniCore Weekly GOAT line at 424-785-4628. That's 424-785-GOAT. He's a nerd, he's a geek, but we all like to hear him speak. So listen up to the words from his speech. It's George's Book of the Week. So this week, instead of reviewing a book, I know we're gonna spend all the money to change the theme song, or probably not, I'm actually reviewing Roller Coaster. Now, not a real roller coaster, 
It's a magazine that comes with a subscription or a membership to ACE, or the American Coaster Enthusiasts. And yes, I am a card-carrying member of ACE. I've got a card that says I'm a member of the American Coaster Enthusiasts. Yeah, because they give you a card to show people. I don't know why. (laughs) And a geek, yeah, I know. So, (laughs) all right, so Roller Coaster, the magazine, is a quarterly publication, meaning it's issued four times a year. It is a full-color, glossy magazine with tons of amazing photos of roller coasters and some pretty good articles. You know, they're okay. So, But this review is just based on the most recent uh, issue of Roller Coaster Magazine, the February issue that came out. And, of course, I received it as part of my new membership. But based on what I've seen on their website and talking to other people, uh, this one is just as high quality as the other ones they've had, especially if you love roller coasters. Okay, so this issue itself takes us on an in-depth look at Coaster Con XXXVIII. VIII. Wait, what? I, I'm already lost. Well, Roman Coaster- numerals, that's what you're doing. Yes, Roman numerals. It's CoasterCon 38. So, yes, there have been 38 CoasterCons. I don't know why I'd never heard of these before. So, um, like DragonCon and MegaCon and ComicCon, it's a convention that's held yearly, and people spend a full week at a group of theme parks, you know, that are usually close by. Riding roller coasters, of course, socializing, attending meetups, and listening to industry leaders speak. So uh, they also get extended ride time, or ERT, as those of us in the biz call it. But uh, several pages, of course, are dedicated to the the people and places of the event. So that was a, a neat article to see that. And there were some great history articles in the Roller Coaster magazine. One was about sea breezes, the park sea breeze, their bobsled coaster, which is now considered to be the original hybrid coaster and was put in shortly after Disneyland's Matterhorn. And there's actually a tie-in to these two, but I'm not going to tell you what that is. And there was an article by my good friend Chip Sizokio, can never say his last name, about Thunder Road, which was a wooden coaster that was torn down last year at Carowinds and was a sister coaster to the racer at Kings Island and the Rebel Yell at Kings Dominion. And there's also a very long article that looks at three specific theme parks in China and what it's like to visit them, which I thought was interesting because we know all about American theme parks, but how are Chinese theme parks different? And also, I had no idea that there were 875 coasters in China alone. What? Which is insane. That seems like a ridiculous amount of roller coasters in China. Yes, they love wooden roller coasters. Love wooden roller coasters. All right, then. Exactly. And they also do an industry profile where they interview someone from one of the many parks in the country or someone who is working in the coaster industry. And they profile other ACE members and look at how many coasters they've ridden. And I have to say I was kind of sad when I saw um, a 10-year-old that had ridden about 200 roller coasters. (laughs) He beat you. He's got me beat by a long shot. (laughs) But, you know, I know it's not a Disney book we're talking about, but I thought, you know, a magazine dedicated to roller coasters, it's pretty fantastic. Uh, membership to Ace is only $65 a year, and it does come with the quarterly magazine and some other things, like a free ticket to Six Flags Park. Who knew? It's pretty fantastic. So uh, you can get more information just by Googling American Coaster Enthusiasts or visiting aceonline.org. But once again, we just looked at 
Roller Coaster Magazine, and it was pretty darn awesome. What we liked, what we didn't like, he's in the booze! 60-second review! So sometimes it seems as if a franchise can do no wrong. And of course, I'm not looking at you, Star Wars, Episode 1, 2, and 3. Um, but <clears throat> yeah, almost since the first video game release of a Lego-based franchise of any sort, the Lego series has been amazing. And we've seen several Lego Star Wars cartoons, and they've all been pretty great. They've been fun. I've enjoyed them. And we both just received review copies of Lego Star Wars droids, and from the first few moments, minutes, I knew that I was going to really enjoy it and I was going to have a good time with it. So basically, the story revolves around the retelling of the Star Wars saga told through the eyes of Lego C-3PO and R2-D2. And of course, in typical Lego fashion, hilarity ensues. And it's not always what you remember from the silver screen versions of the films. Yeah, you mean you don't remember Anakin chasing down uh, Jango Fett? That on makes sense to me. On the back of a transport? Yeah, me neither. So uh, it, it can be a little strange to see the story retold this way. But, you know, I like the fact that Lego has the ability to change the story to fit their timing needs. More specifically, like doing a 22-minute episode. But the Lego brand of humor is really what drew me in right from the beginning and kept me watching and laughing through all six of the episodes, which they call missions and each mission was made up of two 22 minute segments so yeah i'm not gonna do the math uh, yeah fair enough not all I, I mean obviously it's aimed more towards kids of course and i i will admit i played most of the star wars lego games with my son or on my own uh, don't judge me no judging and you know i've always loved how they managed to tell their stories with a little wink and a nudge and oftentimes without dialogue whatsoever um I mean, obviously that trench was over and it's on display here, but I felt, to me at least, it was just missing just a little bit of something from the original games. Not that it was bad at all, I just wanted a little bit more. Yeah, so you didn't like it when they killed off Jar Jar Binks multiple times? No, not at all. It was weird that he was like their Kenny. <laughs> yeah, he was their Isn't Kenny. Isn't that weird? <laughs> so, you know, I thought there was enough, you know, to keep me interested and to keep me going. The, the humor was interesting, and the series really poked a lot of fun at the prequels, which what I really enjoyed. Uh, they had several running gags with the trade dispute and Anakin's temper. Um, overall, fans of the Lego games and the cartoons are going to like this addition to the series. You know, it's fun, it's quirky, and you know, it's just gonna keep you laughing. Unfortunately, there is nothing else on the disc, just yep. the episodes, and for some, that might not be enough. Um, I kind of, I would have enjoyed personally a look at the making of the show, just to how to get a taste of how, you know, Lego does things, how much they have to say in the production, and, you know, maybe some of the rules they have to adhere to in order to make it Lego and Star Wars. Like, I don't know, I'm, I'm curious about that stuff. Yeah, you know, I would have even loved to see some features on the voices, because some of them were very close to the original actors, and some of them were very strange. Some of them were terrible. Not very good. Well, just like the but, Battlefront game recently, like oh. almost all those voices are the worst voice actors for Star Wars I've ever heard in my life. They probably got the motion caption people to do that. But probably. That's, that's, that's another review altogether. Um, <laughs> so I think that, you know, this series from, you know, what Jeff has said about not following the continuity, so to speak, may have been written less for the Star Wars fans and more for the fans, the kids of Star Wars fans. <laughs> 
Maybe. Something everybody can watch together. But, you know, I think there's enough to tie them back to the films, you know, and enough humor to keep it interesting. Yeah, I mean, overall, if you're a fan of Lego Star Wars or Star Wars in general or Lego in general, I mean, it's pretty perfect for you and you should probably check it out. Yeah, so this week's 60-second review was Lego Droid Tales. Sometimes you might see it, sometimes you don't. Hey, look, what's that? It's a five-legged goat. So when you're wandering around the World Showcase at Epcot, as you walk from Morocco to France, you may notice that the walkway becomes a little bit darker. What is this? Was this a poor concrete pour? An accident during construction of some sort? Of course not. It's all Disney magic. The darkened walkway is intended to represent the Strait of Gibraltar. Of course, it's not geographically correct, however, because it actually lies between Spain and Morocco. But, um, you know, we'll be sure to let them know that when they get around to building the Spain Pavilion, okay? Yeah, that'll work. I mean, eventually, so, when they do. Eventually. Didn't they announce it in, like, I don't know, 85? <laughs> yeah, somewhere around We're getting there, guys. <laughs> Jeez. Closer and closer and closer. Wow, well, that brings us to our year of a million or so limited time cadets prize winner because I couldn't think of any. I, I waited. I didn't say anything because I was waiting to see how it was going to work. that you can take a segue around World Showcase. Uh, okay, but okay, I dig that one. Should we look at the judges and see what they say? No, I think survey says that's a, that's a oh, keeper. Good. Okay, okay, so, all right, so we'll do that. So, um, <laughs> so as you guys know, for the past year and longer, <laughs> <laughs> we've been giving away a weekly prize. And to enter the prize, you just have to email communicorweekly at gmail.com with your name, address, and birthday I almost said phone number we don't need your phone number i mean we don't take um, your phone number too we yeah, can still call you yeah it's like hey what's up we still need to do some trivia segments with kids oh before. gosh yeah that's right we need to do the trivia segments and uh and so we enter you into the contest and we randomly draw a winner and then we make the announcement on the show and send out the prize hooray so, it goes. so jeff take it away so this week is a commuter crew weekly prize pack and the winner is mary t from philadelphia pennsylvania hooray mary so we got to make it where it rhymes. Mary T from Philadelphia, P. Never mind. Okay, let's let's yeah, go on. So let's go on. Don't forget to uh, Mary to send us a photo of you enjoying your lovely Communicore Weekly Prize Pack, yes, so we can please. splash it all over the Facebooks and the Twitters and everything the, like the that. stuff, the social medias, the social media stuff. Hooray. Yeah, and email communicoreweekly at gmail.com so you can enter because you have to. Yeah, you have to. It's the law now. Okay, guys, so thank you so much for watching and listening to another episode of Communicore Weekly. However you get the show, whether it's on iTunes or YouTube, leave us a comment, leave us a rating, let us know what you think. And again, email us at communicoreweekly at gmail.com to enter the contest or just say what's up to anybody in particular. Yeah, no, no. Anybody? No, like Nobody? really, yeah, yeah. Okay, okay. Anyway, you can also like us on Facebook at facebook.com slash communicoreweekly. And follow us on Twitter and Instagram and Periscope. I'm at Imaginerding. He's at Jeff Heimbach. And of course, you can always give us a call on the Communicore Weekly Goat line at 424-785-4628. And don't forget, like we mentioned at the top of the show, visit the Communa store at CommunicoreWeekly.com to pick up awesome t-shirts and a copy of Communicore Weekly The Musical. And if you want your official cadet membership card or Communicore Weekly stickers, send a self-addressed stamped envelope to Communicore Weekly, P.O. Box 432, Orange, California, 92856. 
and visit patreon.com slash weekly to see how you can help support the greatest online show. For Jeff Heimbuck, I'm George Taylor. And for George Taylor, I'm Jeff Heimbuck. Thanks so much for listening, guys and gals. We'll see you next time on Communicore Weekly, the greatest online show.